0: welcome back everybody to another edition of the started up podcast a member the education podcast Network today is a podcast in direct correlation correlation is that right because of Monday's podcast let's get to that I made a little four minute thing on Monday I was kind of kind of perturbed by um, some of the things I had seen and the sense that I, I I don't like when kids get expelled. Let's so put it that way. And I was kind of opining, thinking out loud on what we could do differently to work with our kids and um, you know at least have some grace not to have uh, these zero-tolerance laws and policies. And, 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 and boy, did I hear back from you guys. Some DMs, uh, some emails. Um, I really like it if you guys make public things on our Facebook page. But that being said... Um, I kept hearing, and I think I even mentioned it in the podcast, this restorative justice movement. And sure enough, I was getting a lot of uh, emails about it. And then a former guest and at this point now, friend Jeremy Williams said, okay, stop what you're doing you're going to you're gonna need to talk to Sue. So today's podcast is with Sue. I'm not going to talk much further because she can speak for herself. But this is one of those that um, we had a different lineup. Uh, I've actually am two weeks out, but we had to stop what we're doing and put this in our Friday episode because the Monday we got so much uh, feedback. If you want to go back and listen to it, it was two podcasts ago. I, I recommend that you do. Um, but Sue is doing some amazing work and working with kids and schools to not just – expel kids and hope for the best, but to work with them and get them to where they need to go. So I highly encourage uh, you if you are into the restorative justice movement, to take a listen to this, reach out to Sue. She's wonderful. Also, the way we grow is we get a lot of people that recommend the show. I sincerely appreciate that. You have no idea. Um, but we also find guests this way because when we have on people like Sue, it might stir your imagination of, oh, I need I know who you need to talk to next. And that is that is gold to us. So we appreciate it. All right. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, if you're a teacher, parent, or student, this is really meaningful. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get right to it with Sue Jamback all right, now I am pleased to be joined by Sue Jambeck. She is the founder of Restorative US, and is I, Sue A. Thanks for being on, and B. Thanks for being on so fast. I had somebody reach out to me uh, because of Monday's podcast and just insisted that we talk.
1: Well, thanks, thanks for reaching out quickly. I was uh, so the the mutual connection that we have. Um, How did I even, I don't know. Through him, I saw your podcast. Yeah, through Jeremy, I saw your podcast and, or listened to your podcast. And I was about to uh, respond. And then before I could compose it, uh, I got a message, you know, the the messages between the three of us started to roll. Because I had a really strong reaction to your hypothetical question. Out of Um,
0: curiosity, were you going to make that a public comment or a email?
1: I was going to make it a
0: public comment. See, I wish more people, I get DMs and emails and I'm like, Hey, it wouldn't hurt if you made that a public comment. But anyway, well, I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, I, I've been shocked on how much feedback I have gotten is because number one, it's kind of, um, I don't know. It's one of those <sighs> darn if you do, darn if you know situations. I had some people say, well, of course you should expel a child. I don't want my kid exposed to that kid. Mm-hmm. And then I had some people who were like, you should never give up on a kid, which, mm-hmm. you know, the people that think that you're being expelled, they don't think you're giving him up. They think that they need a, a punishment. Um, so anyway, I, I've, I think I even mentioned in the podcast. I mean, I, I hear now this term restorative justice, restorative practices thrown around a lot. And if there's one thing I always am fear of is that sometimes things get caught in a buzzword situation where people don't take it as seriously. So you've been interested and you've been focused on this for a while. Tell me about restorative justice, restorative practices in education.
1: Okay, so I could go on and on and I know we don't have hours to talk about this, so I'll try to make it quick. Uh, here, here's my take on it. Restorative justice is a movement that is has been around for a while. Uh, it is not solely, it has more recently been associated with schools uh, the penal system, the the courts, the prisons have uh, been using a form of restorative justice since uh, some have decided that we need some kind of prison reform or um, to address the the issues that we have with disproportionality in in the judicial system. and uh, the principles behind restorative justice which are quite simply, in the simplest form, you break it, you fix it. And relationships are a key in uh, repairing harm and actually uh, helping people who have made mistakes, offended, broken rules, committed crimes. Uh, Helps them develop a whole new way of being and can help them avoid making similar mistakes going forward. So in the schools, where uh, in some places there are very, very high rates of out-of-school suspension, and what that means is there's lots and lots of hours of missed instruction, well, when we send students home, when we know that we need to keep them to teach them, we're really shooting ourselves in the foot. I shouldn't be talking about guns, when I'm talking about a very peaceful solution, but are um, using a... a an example like that, but uh, we're just not helping ourselves when we exclude students that we need to be embracing and pulling in. So, for uh, in schools where I've been working, we are you know focused on uh, acknowledging mistakes that students make. You still hold the same high exe- high expectations that you always have had for students, but when they make mistakes, you pull them closer rather than push them out. You teach them the, the skills that were missing. Uh, you teach them new language, you teach them uh, about empathy, you uh, help them grow their social skills so that they can uh, be better prepared for the next wrong that comes their way.
0: Yeah. Well, I, let me go both sides. Let's let's be, um, I'm going to play both roles here. One, I love it because... Um, well, even sometimes the kids even game the system, you know, they, they think it's funny that like, okay, let me get this straight. So my punishment for skipping school the last three days is to get a day off of school. And then they're like, okay, just kind of like in some cases, you know, some, some prisoners are like, I need a healthy meal and a warm place to stay tonight. I'll, co- I'll commit a petty crime and, you know, give me your punishment. And, yeah. and, you know, I don't want to say that's gaming the system. That's just in some cases to common sense. And you hate to say that, but, you know, when kids hate school, they're going to find ways to stay away from school. So the whole um, making them restore what was wrong is, is I love that theory. But let me play the, like, the side of what I also heard from other emails. And I kind of alluded to it before in that, you know, what if the kid doesn't want to be reformed? What if the kid just wants to be a disruption and he's bullying Because I think that's the great equalizer. You know, if it's alcohol, if it's minor drugs, people are like, okay, give them a second chance. But if it's like they're being violent, that's a tough situation.
1: Yeah? Yeah, violence is difficult. But I'm going to go back to just what you said. What if the kid doesn't want to? Uh, You have to figure out why. Uh, Most of the kids who are the most challenging for us to work with in schools are victims of some kind. So they've been exposed to violence in the home. They're they're victims of neglect. They're victims of generational poverty. Uh, they, they don't have the resilience, the social-emotional resilience that other kids have. So if there is a kid that you're working with that appears to just not want it, then you have to figure out why and then once you can figure if you get some glimmer of uh vision into the why yeah. then you can start to fill those holes
0: yeah here's where it's going to get really uncomfortable for me is that um mm, if you make it feel like prison they're not going to like it uh, this is like this is always the hard thing that like when it comes down to it it, you know if you're making school enjoyable and, and let me let me start off this there's a lot of times where i understand why some schools um glamorize their compliance levels right some schools will brag on the fact that um they had fewer fights and fewer expulsions and and in some ways awesome but the um our kids are quiet and behaved Are the students enjoying themselves? So I agree with you of like, you know, why don't you like it here? But if the answer is, I don't like it here, because I don't like to be told to sit down and shut up all day, if that's the school culture, how then difficult is it now to convince them to come back?
1: Well, uh, (laughs) I hope that our collective vision of American school is not sit down and shut up <laughs> uh and if that's and and i am aware that there are some school leaders who think that students should be marching around uh in silence and uh, in lockstep unison uh that's not my that's not how that's not how i want to see kids well, in school
0: nor is it not mine but i think this is the the heart of the matter for a lot of Kids is that if, if you're an SAT prep factory and some of the like, because I see a lot of kids starting to say, well, heck the nation. I, I think you know, like I, I've enjoyed the, the videos out there by Prince EA, right? And some of these other like, heck, uh, Mike Rowe. There's now all of a sudden this new voice of, okay, what is the purpose of school? And so when you have a kid that's like saying, okay, seriously, why am I, why am I memorizing things all day? Because those kids get restless. And so if you're trying to get them to uh, want to be there, this is a harder sell for a, a lot of kids because like, just the, you know, look, just, just behave, get through it and, 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 you know, do okay on the SAT and everything will be fine. The kids that are, are causing a ruckus, so to speak, might not be, they may not be
1: enticed by this. So so I wish it were that simple. There are so many root causes. And it could be that the student is very, very bright and is not uh, challenged by sit and get and by memorization to prepare for the SAT. It could be that the student can't read and then really is locked out when it's it's sit and get and prepare for the SAT. So once you figure out wh- why that student doesn't want to come back, then as an institution you have to respond. And it it often re- so my own journey through this movement is it's always forced me to put up a mirror in front of my face and say, what is it that you have done or not done that has contributed to this, both positively and negatively? We have to look at ourselves and the structures and the expectations and the relationships that we have in our schools to to recognize that it's not working for so many kids. So we have to change ourselves.
0: I totally agree. I I I totally agree. That that's that's still the that my my problem is that when I talk to some kids who have just had it and I'm like, "Oh, come on, man." Like, you know, if, if they don't know how to read, wow, they're up against a lot. And if I'm trying to coax them back into a school system that they don't find beneficial, I, that's tough. That's really tough. Anyway, moving on from that. I I um the other things I got um From from other and I'd say I'd heard from more from parents than teachers. Actually, I I think the teachers were kind of in lockstep. Don't turn your back on a child. You know, I I just don't like expulsions. I don't. Really violent kids, I get it. You got to. Um, But I heard from a lot of people that uh, I don't want to be. I don't want my kid exposed to that. I I know what I'd say. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but. Not you as Sue, the practitioner in education, but Sue as the parent, how do you respond to their request of get the kid out of my child's classroom?
1: My response is I will do everything that I can and I will engage as many partners and uh, staff and resources that I can put my hands on to help. Uh, ensure that this doesn't happen again, and these are some of the things that I'm going to do. But uh, removing the child from the situation just passes the same risk to someone else in another school. And then, well, then what 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 benefit have we have we provided yep. to anyone? Yep. yep. So I the other the other experience that I've had in doing this work is that so the you know, the complaint, so to speak, that you just voiced is I've dealt with many, many times. And what I had to do was develop the courage to sit there and hear it and not please that parent in the way that they wanted. And when I was successful, uh, it is because they saw other things that I did. They saw other um, other aspects of the school that they really, really liked, and they were, they were willing to give me one um, and willing to give me a little time to show them that we can make a difference uh, and that all students, that, that if the shoe were on the other foot and it was their child yeah. that had just done, yep. they had that this, I would be doing the same thing for their child.
0: Yeah i I I echo those sentiments because I, I I got into I'm not gonna say it back and forth because it sounds like it's confrontational it wasn't, but I had some DMs um, with uh, a parent that they kind of threw out the it was probably more on the bullying situation but um, I brought up the like you know okay where do you draw the line because. Um, some schools have a zero-tolerance policy on a lot of things. You know, there was a, like a national story of a girl that brought a small pocket knife to, um, you know, work on her, her violin uh, or something like that. And it was tiny and they she got expelled for the year. And, you know, a, a zero-tolerance is a zero-tolerance. And I know in some schools they have a zero-tolerance for any amount of alcohol or, or or, you know, drugs. And so, you know, a lot of schools do random sniff tests if you have it in your car. You're gone for, in some cases, you know, all school year. And so I said, you know, a lot of students that it, you put them at such a huge burden because the the parents have now got to find an alternative for this kid. And if they don't have the money just to go and leave or, or sign them up for another school and they don't have an alternative school program, that's like you're sending such a, one, the thing that keeps me up at night is you've sent the message to the student. You're not allowed to make a mistake and you're not allowed to recover from it. We'll see you in 10 months. That's, that's harsh. And at the same time, the parent was like, well, I don't want, I don't want my son or daughter getting weed from that kid. But I, I I, like you, I'm like, look, what, like, did you make mistakes in your high school career? And then, you know, some people are like, Oh, you know, yeah, of course, there was time we're right after the game, we got drunk or whatever. And I'm like, could you imagine being kicked out of school for 10 months? So I, I, you know, I was trying to get them to like, possibly open up their mind to instead of a, such a swift, just zero tolerance to like, could we have a two day suspension? And matter of fact, I want you to go over that situation. Let's just say a let's make it a nonviolent, a student has a bag, a small bag of marijuana. I don't care. if Yeah. Cause it's a large bag. It's a small bag of marijuana on them or in the school. How would you go about ensuring to the parents and the school that you have a, like, what would your solution be instead of just an expulsion for 10 months?
1: Yeah, I would try to avoid expulsion if the law allows that. So in some States, uh, federal or state law kicks in and you have very little autonomy in how you handle a situation like that. And that's the first message that I communicate to anyone that I'm working with. I am not encouraging anyone to break any state or federal laws. So when you have uh, uh, even the tiniest bit of uh, autonomy to handle situations like that, uh, I would suggest that uh, the student, and I'm assuming we know this student fairly well, uh, and that we have a relationship. We didn't have any relationship with a the student. Then that's a whole other problem But that um, there are lots of things that we can do so to protect others from the possibility of Encountering marijuana in the public school or in a private way in a school setting uh, And we want that student to come to school uh, to learn and grow and make better decisions under our guidance then there are things that we can put in place like Uh, We can work with the parent if they're willing to work with us and and have the parent um, have the kid drug tested and um, so that they monitor use. We can uh, we can tell the student that every single day because you because you've done this, because we know that you. Are potentially going to bring in this substance into our school, and we don't want it here. We can uh, we we have an arrangement that every day he comes in, he goes to or we meet him at the door, and his bags are searched, his socks are searched. We we have a system to make sure that he knows that we're watching. It's not okay, but we need you in school.
0: Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's it sends the message that we're still wanting you here. We still value you, but you know, you you got yourself into this. You have to hold yourself to a different standard. I like that. Um in, in your work, what has been uh, the best case scenario? Um like In the schools you work, let me start over. Because I remember in our our talk before the show, you talked about the fact that when you were at a a school earlier, they had a reputation for having a lot of expulsions. What were some breakthrough policies that put people at ease and that the kids actually reflectively thought, you know what, this really made an impact?
1: Hmm. Well, uh, I think the breakthrough policies take a long time for you to reap the benefits of and feel the get a positive glow from Uh, because when you're changing practices that fly in the face of people's traditionally held expectations meaning when a rule is broken punishment is supposed to happen it should be swift it should be painful and uh, it should just be dealt with and move on so there's a there's certainly a learning curve and there are lots of bumps in the road and it doesn't so the acceptance doesn't happen immediately uh there are two challenges in implementing a restorative approach one is mindset and the other is strategy and technique so strategy and technique are really kind of easy i just gave an example of a strategy how you would Uh, rally around a student that had a small amount of marijuana and you pour on supports and and a a system that Supports the kid but also holds them accountable by searching them every day if that's what you have to do um, To get them to to be in school so that you can help Uh, but uh, the first reaction in many institutions is is ranges from outrage to disbelief like what? This is what we're going to do? We're not gonna be um, suspending kids or kicking kids out or, and it, it can be perceived as being- um,
0: Too soft. Too
1: yeah. soft, but, and, and that one of the lessons that I learned, uh, which I have tried to impart with others so that they won't have to make those same lessons, uh, make those same mistakes, uh, is that really while we were, when we were implementing it early, turning off the tap of the school exclusion pipeline, uh, I wasn't spending enough time talking about what are we doing instead? What are we replacing that with? What we're replacing it with is more time in in school. We're replacing it with more social emotional supports. So I spent too much time talking about trying to avoid suspension and I should have been talking more about we're trying to help uh, and spending just less airtime and talking about uh, the the benefit of keeping kids in the negatives about um, suspension. And I should have been spending more time just talking about the benefits of having kids in school with us every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and in my mind, I'm playing this out because one I, I totally agree. I, like if you're dealing with educators, I'm hoping, and I'm, I'd say most, if not a high percentage, if you get right down to it, like seriously, what's best for the child? Um, But also I think that they would want, and and you're the expert here, but this is my thoughts. When when I want somebody to apologize to me, I want to hear it. So I would I would assume the level of communication you would want to be high. You would want them, you'd want the child to A, probably speak for themselves and B kind of give, if not verbal updates, like that sincerity of I'm gonna turn this negative into a positive kind of thing.
1: That's exactly what we want. But we also have to accept that for some students, they don't have the language of apology. They don't have the language of, so we have to teach them. And so their first apology may, it'll be verbal, it'll be in person. Sometimes they don't even make eye contact uh, until then, then it's a redo and then you, you, know, you take them aside and you teach them. I mean, we're really teaching social skills. When do well, I was eyes.
0: gonna say, that, what, what a cool restorative practice that is in the sense that you're, you're wanting to gain them uh, some empathy, some, you know, p- please look them in the eye, please sound more sincere, please reflect on this. So that in and of itself is a, a great thing.
1: We have to teach them sentence starters. You're, you're, an apology starts with the word I, it's never you. Uh, yeah, It's that specific.
0: Mm, that's a good point. Uh, speaking of which, we should have started with this. Uh, tell everybody, like, you know, your, your company, what you do, um, and where Also, we can we can find you.
1: Yeah, so Restorative U.S. was born July 1st uh, this past summer. Um, there's a website, restorativeus.com, and our mission is to do everything that we can to break the school-to-prison pipeline, to uh, provide schools with the resources that they need to support students and to address the two challenges that I talked about, the mindset. We've got uh, strategies and techniques uh, that schools can use to address mindset challenges of the staff that they're working with and the families and the students. And then we also have strategies and techniques and tools uh, that uh, everybody needs in their toolkit If they are trying to implement uh, a restorative approach and I and I talk about it as an approach uh, And it's a it's a it's more than just circles uh, Because circles are a tool that are used in the restorative justice But there are things that you do every day that are proactive in how you manage your classroom How you talk to kids how kids talk to each other uh, there are so many uh, aspects of uh, restorative justice that are encompassing and they're, they're found in, throughout the school. So we're, we're here to support schools who want to fully embrace what I think are uh, the mission of all of our schools, which is to teach students to be successful academically, but also to teach them to be prepared uh, for all the injustices that are going to come their way they come to all of us and to be able to respond appropriately and uh successfully
0: well sue i want to a thank you and and just hold up what you're doing I, I i this isn't simply like you know let's get tougher on you know whatever, undisciplined. But what I love is you're looking at the mindset, you're looking at root causes, you're looking at developing the child um, to be reflective and, and communication tools. And I'm, I'm literally listening to all this and go, man, what a great opportunity for them to see that their worst day could be your best. Um, that is something that I live with. I, <laughs> I've said this so many times, but you know, my one of maybe my worst night ever, um, my a tragic night, uh, my freshman year of high school, was so rewarding that I I'm I married to the person I am today because of it. I I learned more about myself and my family because of it, and I'm listening to you, and I'm hearing just that, like. What you're providing is this opportunity out of you made a mistake, but we're not going to give up on you. And that's, that's what I just, I, I, I love about what you're doing. And and it's just, it's so, it's so hopeful. Um, other than uh, restorativeus.com, uh any place else they should look for you, connect with you.
1: Yeah, they could, I have a blog. I would love to have people start uh, checking out my blog. I post about every Tuesday. That's also there. And um, Lighthouse Academies, which is the parent company of of restorative US, there is also uh, a link to our work there. And uh, I have a book. uh, It's actually, it's a a workbook that that talks about these strategies. Uh, It's called The Restorative Playbook and it's available on Amazon.
0: All right, there you go. Sue Jamback, I sincerely, A, love what you're doing. I appreciate you uh, like, letting people know, and I hope they connect with you. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed the, the discussion. All right.